Georgia's DBHDD reminds people that the Good Samaritan Law can save lives during alcohol and drug overdoses. People are urged to call 911 and stay until help arrives. More information at opioidresponse.info. Welcome to the Georgia Today podcast from GPB News. Today is Friday, March 3rd. I'm Peter Biello. On today's episode, the massive new film studio planned for Albany is going elsewhere. Buckhead Cityhood fails in the legislature. And we'll take a look back at the legacy of suffragist Mamie George Williams. These stories and more are coming up on this edition of Georgia Today. The developer of a massive film studio once slated for Albany now plans to build a studio south of Atlanta. Attorney and former political advisor Patrick Millsaps is planning a $700 million project in the city of Chattahoochee Hills. That's according to a development plan filed with the state. Millsaps told Chattahoochee Hills leaders last year that his Albany plans fell through when the pandemic hit. Meanwhile, Georgia's top lawmakers say they want to review the state's aggressive film tax credits, which have given film production here a boost. Governor Brian Kemp, Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones, and House Speaker John Burns issued a joint statement promising the review after the current legislative session. They say their goal is to make sure taxpayers are getting a good return on investment. Critics of the credits say most of the benefits go to out-of-state companies and out-of-state workers. An effort to get citizens in Fulton County's Buckhead neighborhood to leave the city of Atlanta has failed in the Georgia Senate. GPB's Stephen Fowler has more. The bill put forward by Republicans outside Atlanta would have taken the unprecedented step of asking select voters in the area whether they wanted to create the city of Buckhead City by cutting out a big chunk of Atlanta. Ten Republicans joined 23 Democrats to vote down the effort, including John Albers of Roswell. This makes no sense politically, operationally, or financially. So what are the next steps? How do we really fix the problem? It's time to drop the angst and the egos and start working together. Bipartisan opposition cited legal concerns about the move, including a negative impact on finances, no concrete plans to address schools, and other logistical impossibilities. For GPB News, I'm Stephen Fowler. Bald eagles in coastal Georgia hatched fewer chicks last year due to bird flu. That's according to a new study from the University of Georgia. GPB's Benjamin Payne reports. Researchers found that the H5N1 virus decreased fledging rates in coastal Georgia by 30%. Nicole Nemeth is a UGA professor who led the study. I really couldn't sleep at night because I knew that these birds, many, many other bird species too, we're suffering from this very severe viral illness. A lot of these birds have not had a lot of exposure to these type of viruses before, especially raptors. She says the virus has the potential to roll back successful conservation efforts that began in the 1960s, when the bald eagle nearly became extinct. Nemeth's team is already seeing signs that the species is struggling this year because of H5N1. The best thing that citizens can do, she says, is to report any dead eagles they encounter to the Georgia Department of Natural Resources. For GPB News, I'm Benjamin Payne. A bill aimed at tackling the issue of homelessness passed the Georgia Senate late last night. Senate Bill 62, passed only after a section which would have paved the way for state-sanctioned tent shelters, was removed during floor debate. Remaining in the bill are sections protecting pre-existing local ordinances against camping by the homeless and a section describing an audit by the state of all homeless services performed by nonprofit groups. Jake Hall is the executive director of United to End Homelessness, an arm of the United Way of Central Georgia in Macon. He says the audit might be a good idea. Do you think an asset map of 
where service dollars are going is an is an important thing always uh, because there isn't always geographic equity in how these funds are dispersed in any state. The audit of all homeless service providers described in SB 62 would have to be completed by the end of the year. The bill now heads to the Georgia House. State lawmakers want to change a Georgia law that allows clerks and judges who process passports to take home as personal income the fees that people pay them for processing. GPB's Sarah Callis reports. Senate Bill 19, sponsored by Senator Kay Kirkpatrick, would require clerks and judges to disclose how much they earn from passport fees. It would also make them split that money with the county where they work. We should not be taking money home that is not disclosed or going through payroll at the county level. The bill cites a Cobb County clerk who made over $400,000, but some say the bill would discourage clerks and judges in rural areas from providing passport services. But it is the intention of this body to legislate a few clerks that will have an impact on the rest of us. The bill passed 34 to 19 and now moves to the House. For GPB News, I'm Sarah Callis at the State Capitol. Paramedics are often the first to reach sick or injured people. They're also one of many professions facing severe shortages. GPB's Sophie Gratis reports on what they told lawmakers about the future of their workforce. EMS workers said finding solutions for workforce shortages is their priority, because right now they've only gotten busier. Some paramedics point to early education as a solution, like Jason Lewis from Oglethorpe County. The only way that we're going to get past a shortage is to, to put EMS into public high schools. Others say they can use more telemedicine to keep people from needing an ambulance at all. Mark Waterman is chief medical director in Clayton County. The number of patients who have fallen through the cracks don't have a doctor, don't have a clinic, don't have medical health insurance. Those patients tend to be the overutilizers. In 2021, there were just over 10,000 EMTs and paramedics working in Georgia for close to 11 million people. For GPB News, I'm Sophie Gratis. The new monument is scheduled to go up at the intersection of East Broad and East Henry Street in Savannah to commemorate suffragist and community leader Mamie George Williams. After women won the right to vote in 1920, Williams began helping black women register and is credited with helping more than 40,000 women vote in that year's presidential election. With me now for more on Mamie George Williams' remarkable life is historian and author Velma thomas Fan. So tell us a little bit about Mamie George Williams' early life. Uh, she grew up in Savannah, yes? Right. She was born and reared in Savannah. Uh, she went to the Beach Institute. She also went to Atlanta University, and she graduated from there, and she stayed in the Savannah area. Her parents were religious leaders and very, very prominent at that time. So all of her life, she stuck very closely to the Savannah community. And when did she get into politics and and why? What drove her into that? I'm not sure why. She first started out with the Toussaint Overture American Red Cross. And so she volunteered 2,400 hours of volunteer service. So she was always very civic-minded. And I think people just kind of kept an eye on her. And pretty soon she just kind of walked into the politics, um, starting, I guess, around 1920s because she was a, a suffragist. And so they looked and said, this woman from Savannah is making some gains. And people really started to notice her. What was it about her that, that allowed people to say, whoa, she's, she's noteworthy? I think it had to do with her stature. She seemed to be a woman who stood her ground, a woman who got things done. She married very prominently, and I think that helped as well. But she was very focused, and she... She stood flat-footed for what she believed in. 
Mm-hmm. Well, what were some of the barriers she might have faced back then? Racial and sexual barriers. She fought both. So being the first African-American woman to, to hold a seat on the Republican National Committee from Georgia and the first African-American woman to hold that seat in the whole nation, she stood out. And she really felt that she had to speak for the cause of African-American political leaders, particularly the Republican Party, of which she was a part. And I feel like you can't understate how big a, a, an achievement that would have been. I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about how she rose to that level. She rose to the level she was appointed by Link Johnson, who was a prominent Republican leader here in Georgia. And because of her work with the suffragist movement, her ability to get things done, when the Republican Party decided that they would let women into the Republican National Committee, he tapped Mamie George Williams. So that's how she was introduced to that to that circle. And then she won that seat later on. So she served on the Republican National Committee from 1924 to 1932. What does it mean to you, someone who's studied her life and legacy, to, to know that there's going to be a marker put up in Savannah in May? Well, I was surprised. I was surprised that no one knew who she was, first of all, particularly in that area. I was surprised that her legacy had been forgotten. So when we moved forward and made the submission for the historical marker and looked as to where to put it, we looked at Dixon Park because that is the street that she lived on. And I thought, if this is not more fitting, that all of this is all coming together 99 years after she first sat on the Republican National Committee. So the marker's going to go on the street she lived on. Is her house still standing? Her house is still standing. And and is it is it marked somehow that it's her house? No, I haven't knocked on that door yet. <laughs> oh, so it's privately owned. It's privately owned. Okay. Do those who live in the house that she once lived in know the significance? I don't think they do. So there's someone in Savannah right now. I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of people in Savannah living in historically significant homes, Mm -hmm. but wow, they don't know. So I'll I'll have to send them a letter and say, please come to the unveiling. (laughs) She lived there. All right. Well, if you live on, what is it, East Henry Street or East Broad Street? East Broad Street. If you live in East Broad Street, watch your mailbox. I'm sorry. Yeah, watch your mailboxes, (laughs) East Henry and East Broad. (laughs) Was there anything we didn't talk about that maybe we should have? I usually like to, to pay tribute to her with a song, if you don't mind. Oh, uh, is it a song that she sang or is it a... It's, a... it's a song that black women sing. Please, we would love to hear it. May the work I've done speak for me. May the work I've done speak for me. When I've done the best that I can and nobody understands, may the work I've done speak for me. That's beautiful. Thank you. Well, Velma Thomas Fan, thank you so much for coming in. We really thank appreciate you. it. Appreciate you. I've been speaking with author and historian Velma Thomas Fan about the life and legacy of Mamie George Williams. A monument to Mamie George Williams is scheduled to go up in Savannah in May. And that is it for this edition of Georgia Today. Let me leave you with this joke that I used to hear growing up in New England as we head into the weekend. What do you call a sunny, beautiful day that is preceded by two rainy, cloudy, lousy days? Monday. That's a joke that does not apply for this weekend. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, if the forecast holds, supposed to have plenty of sunshine. 
Hope you get outside for some sunshine if that's your thing. Also, be mindful of the pollen. The pollen is out in full force this time of year, and it is not even officially spring yet. If you've got any feedback for us for this podcast, my bad jokes notwithstanding, you can send it by email. The address is georgiatoday at gpb.org. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review. That helps other listeners find us. I'm Peter Biello. Thanks again for listening, and have a great weekend.